So my question that was posed by Michael at the end of last week's service is this. How were you disciplined growing up and did it work? How were you disciplined growing up and did it work? So I've asked three different people to share. If you would stand and uh, Michael's going to get you the mic. But I want you to be thinking about that. How were you disciplined growing up and did it work? Vanessa, let's start with you. And it's kind of weird. Kind of weird with mom and dad right beside you. Oh, boy. Mom's here. Oh, mom's here. Yeah. Okay. She knows what's coming. Okay. Did mom discipline you more or dad? Um, I think it was equal. Like when dad was at work, mom disciplined me and vice versa. Okay. So how were you disciplined? Well, like traditionally, like the one time I swore, she put the bar of soap in my mouth. And how did it taste? Oh. Awful. She actually made me bite down into it. I distinctly remember that. Okay. <laughs> um, when I drew on the back of the car seat with my feather pen, she told me to stop, and I didn't, so then she took it away. She put it on top of the fridge so I could see it, but I couldn't grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing, well, she always told me that the truth would always come out, so if I would lie that sooner or later, it would be found out. That was one thing I remember. And then it was more of the fear of disappointment than mm-hmm. actual punishment. Mm-hmm. Like when I broke my bedroom window, they, uh, it was in the middle of winter and I had a friend over and they told me not to play with the icicles outside, but they were so big <laughs> and I really wanted one. So I tried using a broomstick to get one down, and that didn't work. So then I reached in the snow, and I grabbed a giant ice chunk, and I threw it at the base of the roof, and it was going perfectly until it went down and through my middle window. So I came inside, and Mom was like, did you play with the icicles? And I was like, yeah. Did you break your window? Yeah. Go downstairs and tell your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and that was way worse than anything. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there was all the way down the basement stairs and into the workshop. And I was like, I broke my window. And dad goes, well, we're going to have to fix that, aren't we? And then I was just kind of like silenced because I didn't really know what else to say. <laughs> so it was more disappointment than, I mean, like, traditionally being grounded and stuff and getting things taken away. But I think the disappointment um, mm-hmm. stopped me from doing a lot of things that I considered doing as a kid and as a teenager and anything else. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Good. Young, you come from a different generation. and uh, Oh, yeah. Michael, give her the mic, please. (laughs) I think it's time to take him into the back. (laughs) He's a paddling. (laughs) So, Young, how were you disciplined, and did it work? Well, um, my background is really different because, first of all, I I was raised in a military family. My my dad was uh, in the Army. And I'm not saying that to say that all military families are like this, but mine was. Um, 
my dad was also an alcoholic. He drank a lot. So when I was disciplined, it was often during the times when he was not really himself either, I don't believe. Um, I was disciplined in many different ways. Um, personally, I didn't feel like I deserved it all the time. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, nowadays they don't do this so much, but back then... I had the switch used on me, or I had uh, like a electrical cord, like a coffee pot cord or whatever used on me, the belt. Um, I was beaten, but it was more because I think of the lifestyle that they led. You know, he just wasn't himself. And um, I've forgiven him for it. I love my dad dearly. He has changed over the years. He is definitely a good man now, you know. Um, I think he's probably forgotten a lot of the things that went on back then, too. Because mm -hmm. when I speak to him now, he he acts like he has no memory of that. And I, and I think how it affected me was I think I forgot a lot of things in my childhood. I don't remember a whole lot. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I it did give me a healthy respect for those in authority. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do um, respect those that are in office, that are, you know, policemen, teachers. A lot of them, I gave them my total attention, and I worked hard because of that. I think yeah. as a result. But um, how it affected me also was. I was determined that when I had my family, my kids, I would not raise them that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe I did. They got a paddling every once in a while. Some more than others. <laughs> Good. Well, Young, thank you for sharing. I know uh, that takes some courage to stand up and uh, to do that, but many can identify with your story. Good. Different generation. How about a different culture? Uh, as you know, we're sending a team to Thailand. Uh, that's where Cindy and I moved here from. And uh, Thailand is a very special place in our heart. Uh, Tom Wang Sang came through Thailand and is going back for the first time. Thailand's good. And Thailand's good. got some challenges. And uh, you went to public school there, is that correct? Yes. Tell us about how you were disciplined, Tom. Um, I remember being in first grade. Uh, my friend and I was talking near a fifth grader classroom. I was taking a test. <coughs> Recess over, we went back to our room. The teacher um, mentioned that two kids in our classroom were being disruptive. Uh, she called our names, and we knew we were going to get in. She called my friend first. He walked up to the classroom, faced the classroom, crossed his arm. She got a bamboo stick. It's almost like a rod. It doesn't break, okay? It wiggles. Mm -hmm. She hit him the first time. Um, I saw him flinch. She hit him again. He started crying. I got nervous. I was, you know, I know I was next. <laughs> <laughs> she hit him the third time, told him to go back to his desk. He was crying, putting his head down on the desk. Um, she called me up. I went up there. I didn't know what to think. I was afraid. I was nervous. Um, she hit me the first time. I jumped. I, I saw flashes. The second time she hit me, I felt numb, like it's heart burning. And the third time she, ha she hit me, 
And I, I didn't cry, I hold it, I, I was a tough kid. <laughs> I went back to my desk, I tried to sit down, I couldn't. It was a burning sensation. Um, I was squatting the whole day, holding on my chair. The end of the day, she told my sister, you know, what happened. I went home, walked about a mile, that's how long it takes to get home. My parents hit me again for getting trouble in classroom. I didn't cry at school, but I cried at home because of uh, the disappointment I gave to my parents. Yeah. yeah. Was that effective method of discipline? Um, since first grade, that's the only punishment I remember till today. I started second grade in the United States. All the punishment was cakewalk. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Interesting, isn't it? NFL star Adrian Peterson's child abuse charges sparked and re-sparked the national debate. Is spanking or other forms of punishment child abuse? Or is it really effective methods for disciplining children? Peterson said that a parent's decision to spank their child is not physical abuse. Kenny Clark, first round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers. You will appreciate him soon. Visited Lambeau Field last week and he said, I was raised the right way. Got a lot of whoopings growing up. My mom kept me in line. My dad kept me in line. Hmm. Interesting. He credits that discipline with getting him to where he is today. But around the world, physical discipline has become increasingly unpopular. Now more than 50 countries in this world have made spanking your child illegal and punishable. Here in the U.S., Roughly two-thirds of Americans still approve of parents spanking their kids. Roughly two-thirds of us. Even though more than 80 studies on spanking suggest there is no positive, no positive physical benefit to that kind of discipline. Instead, they contend the opposite is true. All of these studies, the research shows that inflicting pain and punishment, this is what the American Psychological Association says, it leads to increased aggression, antisocial behavior, physical injury, and mental health problems. Hmm. This morning begins a two-part mini-series on discipline. This is a part of our series on building strong families. Now, what I have to do is just erase the last eight minutes or so because I am far less concerned about the method of discipline than I am about the motive of discipline. And the only way we can understand how to correctly discipline anything in life is to understand how God disciplines us, his children. You hearing what I'm saying? So, although there will be references made to apply this, I want us to understand very clearly that the Bible, the Word of God, will be our sole source text, nothing else. It is truth. The Word of God is eternal. It does not change. It will direct our path to make good and godly decisions in this matter and in every matter of life. It is the living Word of God. It has the answers. Understanding God's discipline of us, His children, will help all of us understand how God works. We are to have the character of Christ in us and therefore how we respond, not only when we're disciplined, but how discipline comes from us. Now, I think it is very important for the church to read the Word of God together. And again, I get confused 
having been in multiple cultures and countries around the world, how we stand to sing and sit when we read the Word of God. Makes no sense to me in the evangelical church in America, but that's just the way we do it. So we're going to reverse that just a bit, uh, and we're going to stand to read the Word of God together. Would you please stand with me in honor and respect of the eternal Word of God? Now, um, how about today? I'll be the leader. Would that be okay? And you'll also see men and women. There is no other category. Uh, We here at Southside believe the Word of God, that male and female, He created them. And so we make our stand on the Word of God. It's not our opinion, it's what God said. So if you have some confusion about that, love to chat with you. All right? So, men will be men, women will be women, and we will have separate restrooms here at Southside. Okay? So, let's read the Word of God together. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? For the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes each one He accepts as His child. If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Do you believe the word of God? If you do, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's get started. You have sermon notes. Let's break this passage down into some bite-sized pieces. We are going to dismantle it and, and gain from your principles that will allow us to make good and godly decisions. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Have you forgotten what God's already said? Now, one of our greatest needs today, hear me carefully, is not to have a new word from God. I hear this prayed. I hear it talked about. We need a new, fresh word from you Lord, we need a word from you. But I'm convinced our greatest need today is not to have a new word from God, but to pay attention and obey what he's already said. If we would simply do this, we would not be in the mess that we're in. We don't need to search for something new. God never changes. He is eternal. What he said is complete. Now, there are new ways to apply that, new methodologies and ways that he works. I do understand that, but I'm more convinced we need to obey what has already been said. Okay? Settle down, John. You're just warming up. Okay. When God's word is neglected or forgotten, it never turns out good. Hmm. This isn't like forgetting where you left your keys or even something more serious like forgetting your anniversary. 
far deeper consequences. Moses said in Deuteronomy, Beware that in your plenty, and we are in plenty in this country, beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. Why, the psalmist wrote, repent all of you who forgot me, or I will tear you apart and no one will help you. It's not a good thing to forget about God or his commands. He takes that personally. He's already told us as his children, this is the way I want you to behave. This is the way I want you to treat one another. This is the way I want you to live your life. It's already there in the word of God. He says, if you forget about that in your plenty, beware. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Now, the author of Hebrews is quoting from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. It's a direct quote from Proverbs 3 and 11 and 12. Now, with this, we see the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, you may say, well, the God of the Old Testament, man, he's killing babies and he's killing cattle and he's doing all kinds of weird stuff, wiping people out. Seems like a different God in the New Testament. No, no, God never changes. God never changes. Everything he's done has always been based on his love. Now, he's changed his methodology, and I praise God for grace over law, don't you? Whoo, absolutely. I am very thankful for grace over law. But God remains consistent. God does not change. Now, we are warned, don't downplay the Lord's discipline. How do we do that? Well, there's lots of ways we can do this. I'll give you two of them. We can become callous. We can become callous. If we become cold-hearted or lukewarm to what the Lord is saying to us through his words, God's discipline can often harden our hearts rather than soften our heart. And some of you grew up in a home in which the discipline hardened you. It didn't soften you. It actually drove you into the behavior that you didn't want to do. Huh. I think of uh, the ten plagues of Egypt. And the first three rounds, the Bible says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. After that, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But it began with Pharaoh hardening his heart. God gave him every opportunity, change, change, listen, let the people go. And he didn't. His heart became hard. We have a choice. When God's discipline comes into our life, and if you are a child of God, it will come into your life on a regular basis, don't become callous. We have a choice to make. Or we can complain. We can complain about it. Life's not good. Life's like this. Life's like that. Why me? Why now? Why should we complain, Jeremiah wrote in the book of Lamentations, when we are punished for our sins? The obvious answer is, it's a rhetorical question. We shouldn't complain when we are being punished. Instead of learning and enduring, we gripe and grumble. Now, commentator Arthur Pink, who lived a while back, said this, form the habit of heeding his taps and you'll be less likely to receive his raps. I kind of like that. I could break that one into a, nah, I won't. Okay, even when we do recognize it's God doing the disciplining in my life, it is God, he's disciplining. We might wonder, is it done the right way? Is this really the right time? God, you sure you got this correct? We need to be reminded that God's discipline is always good. It's always right. It's always on time. And it's exactly what we need when we need it. Be assured of that. That's how much God loves us. Okay? I'm going to drill down on this. Don't give up when he corrects you. Don't give up when he corrects you. 
Now, when discipline comes our way, some of us may want to give up or quit, get depressed. I remind us that when we are disciplined, it is for our strengthening to build us up, to encourage us, to make us what we're not currently. God is for us. And complete the sentence. If God is for us, who can be against us? The obvious answer to that rhetorical question, nobody or nothing, right? Okay. Sometimes he just needs to get our attention. And some of us have thicker skulls than others. And getting our attention requires a little bit more discipline, a little more intensity to the discipline, depending on who we are. Sometimes he just needs to get our attention. Some parents have given up on disciplining their children. I'm so grateful God never gives up on disciplining me because I need the discipline. I need the discipline. It's been a good couple of months. Uh, Back in March, Leah graduated with her RN. Uh, Yesterday I was at Camp Randall with 40,000 of my closest friends um, at UW graduation, which my, the other twin, Anna, received her master's degree in social work. Uh, She is working for Jefferson County, and she sees a lot as a social worker. But it was fun uh, being in Camp Randall while it's snowing and hailing. That was delightful. Glad they had those things outdoors. That was a blast. But I will say this about that. Uh, Russell Wilson was a keynote speaker, and I admired that man very much. He talked about his prayer life. He talked about God. He talked about faith in that godless, liberal place. He is the real deal. He is the real deal. I admire him and the backbone that he showed in that liberal environment. Way to go, Russell. Anyway, I want to talk to Anna just for a moment because I believe I have the greatest grandkids in the world. Um, uh, Anna went to school uh, working full-time and uh, raising daughter with her husband, Frank. And Lily is incredible. Uh, I just think Lily is uh, real special. Uh, She has never been spanked. Now, that's not the way we raised our kids. Uh, A little bit differently. So I asked Anna, you ever want to give up disappointing your kids? She said, absolutely, Dad. She said, I have to put her in timeout 20 times, 20 times over and over again. I just want to give up. But on the other hand, Anna's seen so much abuse being a social worker, uh, child abuse, that she has, and Frank had made the determination. I said, would you ever spank Lily? She said, oh yeah, yeah. If she was endangering herself, running out in the street or doing something like that, yeah, absolutely. I'm not opposed to spank, but I've seen so much misuse, uh, I've taken a little different track. And again, I don't care about the methodology, I care about the motive. I should I'll put blanks of that next week. I like that. Um, that, where is it coming from? Where is the discipline coming from? And so, I'm here to tell you, don't give up. It's worth it when you hear what well-behaved children you have. When Cindy and I were raising our five kids, uh, w- from time to time, uh, someone in a restaurant or someone somewhere would, would say, what well-behaved children you have? And I'd look at them like, me? These kids? Are you kidding me? Must be another Teshon family. Oh, there are no other Teshons in the world. Oh, okay, it must be us. Must be us. Sometimes you don't see it when you're in the trenches. And I'm glad God has the eternal view when he looks at my life. Because if he didn't, whoa, it'd be a whole lot different experience. It really would. 
It really would. Now, the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Here we go. God disciplines us because of his love. Now, that's really hard for some of us who grew up punished in anger or abused. And I know that in this room, some of you were abused. Emotionally, physically, mentally, sexually. I know that. And God knows that. And it hurts. I understand that. But God disciplines us because of his love. Here's what Jeremiah continued in the book of Lamentations. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. I love that about the character and nature of God. He does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Not at all. Many of us parents have either heard or thought, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. And it does, doesn't it? Oftentimes, it does. Now, the child's not going to agree with that until they grow up and have children of their own. So that's part of the life cycle, right? But they'll get it eventually. A loving parent does feel a hurt when discipline of a child is necessary. God hurts when he has to discipline us. He loves us in his discipline and is done in love. There's no joy, there's no satisfaction that God gets out of disciplining us. No, not at all. But it's the understanding of the final result that makes it bearable in the moment. God's always looking beyond. See, the Lord disciplines those he loves. Let me say it another way. An undisciplined child is an unloved child. An undisciplined child is an unloved child because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now, the Lord disciplines those he loves. The word discipline, paiduo, it's instructive discipline. In Judaism, a father was required to instruct his sons and daughters, teach them how they were to behave. This was a charge given to the father. This is instructive. It's on the positive side. Now, it goes on to say, he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now, punish, mastigao, means to beat with a whip. Now, we don't like that picture of God very much but it was a common jewish practice a couple of verses with the same word for you'll be handed over to the courts you'll be flogged with whips jesus said you will kill some by crucifixion you will flog others with whips same word that's used there now god punishes each one he accepts as a child god beats with a whip each one he accepts as a child now this gets a little interesting to discuss doesn't it I like the instructive part of discipline. Oh, you got a little off track here. Let me bounce you back on, right? Oh, your heart is so hard, I'm going to have to resort to punishing you to get you back on track. Whoa, God does that in his love. This was a very severe and painful form of discipline, obviously. But allow me to share with you a controversial proverb. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Now, we're here in America. Different cultures view this differently. Discipline around the world is as different as the country in which we find ourselves. But the word of God never changes. The principles here work everywhere all the time. Now, many thoughts and emotions may surface when we read this verse. 
If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Hmm. In a recent year, over 56,000 children were reported abused or neglected in the state of Wisconsin. These children can more than fill every seat at Miller Park and are larger than the city of Sheboygan. In a year in the state. It's painful. Hitting a kid with a stick sounds like child abuse. And certainly it can be. So what's a phrase like this doing in the Bible? It's in the Bible, right? When we read the Word of God, we always have to put it in its cultural context and its historical context. We have to understand what is happening here in order to extract the principle that we can apply to our life because culture will always change. The Word of God never changes. So what's the principle we can gain from this passage of Scripture by putting in its both historical and its cultural context? So let's take a trip back in time when this proverb was given as counsel to parents. And it's there. It's in the Bible. It is truth. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Now, I'm grateful for the insights of Pastor Jeff Mannion in the book he wrote called The Land Between. It's really helped me understand this whole process. The proverb was written when most families received their livelihood, now we're going back 3,000 years, right, from either field or flock. Each new season was a life and death struggle for survival. We don't do this, we're not going to eat. The laziness of one family member could be disastrous. If you decide that plowing feels like it's too hard, you may go without bread. Hmm. You decide to sleep in a few mornings when the grain is ripe and you might lose your entire crop to locusts or to hail. These things would get even worse because fewer family members meant a smaller workforce and so everybody had to work together just to survive. This was an unforgiving world 3,000 years ago with heavy consequences that required a unified family in order to survive, much less move forward. You get the picture? Not quite like that in America in 2016. Not quite. In the world of Proverbs, massive amounts of responsibility was delegated at a very early age. And now we got so many 30-year-olds living in the basement. Oh, boy, don't get me started. David was anointed by the prophet who? Samuel, to be the next king of Israel. After looking over all seven of Jesse's sons, he asked, you got any others? father responds by saying yeah i got a young one he's not home right now he's watching the sheep now young david was thought to have been about 13 years old when this passage of scripture was written imagine a junior hire guarding a major portion of the family's net worth huh. now picture your eighth grader managing your assets assets and we'll get a good glimpse of what was happening in this passage of scripture how many of you allow an eighth grader to manage your assets? Ah, huh, huh. But that was the charge given in this context. If your family's depending on field and flock for food and clothing and to survive, and your child is careless on the job, you have a serious problem, and it's a family problem, and it could be disastrous. Now, proverb parents would work diligently all their lives, when they got to the end where they couldn't work anymore, they would 
hand the management of all of their belongings over to their sons. If the boys were careless or lazy, mom and dad might spend their old age in poverty. So they wanted to make sure they drilled in a work ethic into their boys that included taking care of them when they were older. This is the way that things were done. Financial stability was directly linked to the family work ethic. And if you did it right, it would come out right. In modern Western culture, where our children often move out on their own, we may say, hey, look, if you make a dumb decision, you could get yourself in big trouble. Okay? In the world of Proverbs, the father understood something different. If you make a dumb decision, we're all going to be in big trouble, and it's big trouble. Much different context. All right, that's enough for today. We'll pick it up here next week. Now, what I'd like to do is make sure you understand what the Scripture is saying. I, I'm, at this point, uh, your commentary or your past, and I understand we've all got a story here, uh, but I want to make sure we're understanding what the Bible has said so far. Do you have a question about what we've just talked about? Yes, him. That one I'd have to look up, but it's 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 clear that. <laughs> well, no, there was. In context, uh, this was used in much the same way that Tom experienced. Uh, caning is still a part of other countries especially in Southeast Asia. Uh, it was designed to inflict pain. So we could look at, at trying to massage this thing by, by looking at the words and seeing maybe it doesn't mean quite what we think it does here, uh, but it meant physical punishment. Yes. Now, understand, when we look at the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, please understand this, is not a book of promises. Be very careful when you read the Bible. It is, the book of Proverbs is filled with general observations about life. And sometimes we'll say, that's God speaking to me. And it is. And I praise God for that. But these are not guarantees that this is going to happen. And I'll jump right on Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go, and he's old, he will not depart from it. I have seen Christian parents and their kid crashed right into the ground. Never turn back. Never turn back. Was God wrong? He promised right there they would turn back. Proverbs is a book of general life observations. Be very careful. Be very careful. Or our faith can get all messed up. All messed up. Okay? So we look at the book of Proverbs and we say, what is God really saying here? If we understand the culture and context of the necessity for being very serious about our discipline, and I think parents should be just as serious today about disciplining our children, the methodology can change, but the motive never can. Good question. Good question. Jeff, your assignment for next week? I want you to get on that Hebrew word, and I want you to get a hold of Adam. If it's anything different, let me know. Okay? Jeff's our resident Hebrew guy.
Anybody else? Question? All right, we'll pick up on this next week, all right? And one of my tasks next week is to free this room from guilt. Because there's not a parent in here who hasn't blown it when we disciplined our kids. And for some of us, that just weighs like an anchor on us. As soon as this topic comes up, we go right back to those times in which we mishandled the discipline of our kids. Every one of us has done it, and the enemy likes to keep poking at that, poking at that thing, poking at that thing. And in Jesus, we're free if it's been brought to the cross. And I want us to be a free people because he whom the Son sets free is free. You free? All right. All right. The purpose of God's discipline is so we might be more like Jesus. Here's what Paul said. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. He knew about it before it ever happened. As God's children, we are all subject to his discipline. And I'm sorting out, why, Lord, why'd you put me flat on my back in ICU? I believe in all of that there was an element of God's discipline on my life to correct my path to bring me to a point where it's only Jesus and he is more than enough. And we'll talk more about that at a different time. But I know that the things that come into my life have been approved by God. I know that. I know that. My response is what makes it either a growth opportunity or it's going to trip me up. Will I be more like Jesus on the other side? Will you be more like Jesus in what's hit your life right now? God wants us to grow into people he intends us to be. Not controlled by our character deficiencies or our past upbringing or our selfish desires. A Christ-like spirit comes through daily surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's what we must be doing. God is so very interested in the people that he wants us to be. The people he wants us to be that he's willing to use corrective discipline to mold us to shape us, to fashion us, to refine us, all because he loves you. You feeling the love? You feeling God's love lately? Sometimes it doesn't feel like love, but I guarantee it is. He's taking out those selfish desires and all that garbage on the inside, and he's refining us so that we might be conformed in the image of his son. And he said, well, you know, I don't do bad stuff. I, I pretty much got it. We, I'd love to talk to you about that too because we here in the evangelical church are equally guilty of sins of omission. He who knows the good to do and doesn't do it sins, James says. And we're all guilty of not doing the good that we should be doing. Well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. I guarantee you, there's God. Good for you. Wonderful. Glad you're growing up in the faith. But what about the good that we're supposed to be doing and we fail? And the people we're supposed to be touching and we don't. And the times we're supposed to be opening our mouth and we're silent. And all those things that aren't as loving as they could be. God disciplines those he loves. You feel in his love? I hope you are. That means you're his child. Rejoice. You're becoming something you're not. Isn't that good news? I think it's wonderful news. Wonderful news. Derek, why don't you come on up here, please. As you know, Derek works in the uh, public school system in Sheboygan Falls. Derek, uh, what do you think about when you hear about the way Tom was disciplined in first grade? 
<laughs> that would be nice some days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're not recording this, right? <laughs> it's not done, but. <laughs> and in fact, in the American public school system, generations ago. Oh, it was done, yeah. Uh, yeah. How many of you ever rapped with a ruler? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. See? See? Yep. No touching. No touching now. No touching, right? Good or bad. Yeah. Correct. So times have changed. Oh, yes. But God hasn't. Right. Aren't you glad about that? I am so happy. And as you bring up your sons, mm -hmm. discipline is a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> Every day it is, yes. And we've talked about that. Oh, yes. And it's sometimes heartbreaking, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is, yep. But you as an elder here, you want to do it right, and I really, really appreciate your heart. Yes. God has given us so much. <laughs> do you agree with that? I do agree. Yeah. It's good to give God something back, isn't it? It sure is. Because he is good. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that, would you? 